You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week is Justin Davis, Scoop. Sam Claiborne. That's all the scoops we have for you. And oh. Dan Stapleton. Short episode this week. <laughs> we're we, pressed uh, for time. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about Halo 6. Mm-hmm. That exists. May, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the next game from the creators of Burnout, mm-hmm. a Burnout-like. What? I, yeah. I did not see this news. I know, I know. But first, Call of Duty World War II. Yeah, WWII. Revealed this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew, you know, we knew this was coming. Not a big surprise. We knew it was going to go be going back to its roots, but what were your first impressions of what we saw today? More polygons than its roots, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, that's true. It looks cool. I don't know. It's like a, it's a World War II first-person shooter. In one word, cool. Cool. I mean, it's it's really difficult for a game like that because it's yeah. set in a historical period. We've seen a lot. The only real difference that we've seen so far is that it's prettier. Uh, and we've heard a few a few tidbits like there's no regenerating health, which again goes back to a game that we've already played, which is you know Call of Duty Two, mm-hmm. uh, which was a really good game. So I mean, I I look forward to to hearing more. Did any of you notice uh, the trailer? I'm curious. Maybe we should do this. The side by side, it felt like it hit all the same beats as the Battlefield One trailer. Like there's a man with a flamethrower, and it opens on like a big open space. And like I wonder if you were to like, was that deliberate or is that just a coincidence? It definitely, to me, deliberately evoked Battlefield One. Interesting. I'd have to watch it again. There's there's like a tank moment. Its feel wasn't as dour is battlefield one it, it felt lighter for some reason mm. and like it's about like a horrible period of time too yeah. but, but like the character's one. faces like look a little bit like cartoony and no it just looked a little bit different yeah. than me battlefield one was really leaning into the horrors of war kind yes, of thing exactly yeah. whereas world, world war ii is generally portrayed in a more glorified glorified of war right well it's it's you know the last good war right where, where there was good guys and bad guys yeah whereas world war one was more ambiguous mm-hmm. and yeah uh and also went on way longer and and you can tell they're playing up like characters uh, like american like yeah. movie hero characters and like the funny guy on the squad and like stuff like that I think they're going to have all that. Yeah. They didn't have a big like stunt casting reveal well, this they time. Have the, they I know they have, have Josh Jones. Like Kevin Spacey type. Yeah, he's not a Kevin Spacey or yeah. a Kit Harrington, right? Yeah. I thought, you know, the real stunt casting for this would be to have uh Christoph Waltz. Ooh. <laughs> so I like you know, again, I always feel so odd saying this cuz I'm not a Call of Duty guy. Every 3 or 4 years I, you know, poke my head out of the rabbit hole and say, "What's this? What's up with Call of Duty?" and I pluck it and play it. And I played Infinite Warfare and totally liked the campaign. Yep. Um and that's the one with Kit Harrington. Didn't know it was him. 
<laughs> oh really? <laughs> he plays the villain and he uses like a little bit of an accent. Like he doesn't. He's not quite the same as he is in Game of Thrones. I mean, I guess that's I'm describing acting. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't pick up on that being him at all. Yeah, that's um, interesting. And I do recommend someone. I mean, don't pay sixty dollars for it just for the campaign. But if you see that game on the cheap, um, you know, you get to run your own starship. You're the captain of the ship, and you get to kind of choose what order you do missions and missions and travel around these planets, exterminating these people that are bad guys. You do that in this game too. Yeah, and it was yeah the spaceship thing. Yeah. Whoa. Um, so infinite warfare. So anyway, uh, long story short, I'm back aboard the Call of Duty train. Yeah. So let's do it. All right. And this is something that, that fans had been asking for for well, I guess nine years since the last World War II set yeah. Call of Duty game. I realized today. So Call of Duty, the first one was in 2003. Mm-hmm. The last World War II Call of Duty was in 2008. Mm-hmm. That means for most of that franchise's life, it's been a modern warfare, future warfare series. Yeah. Yep. Vietnam for a couple. But that of years was ago. really novel when yeah uh, yes. four happened. Um, it's crazy. I will say, you know, despite the I think the trailer very much looking and feeling like Battlefield One. Um, they've been uh, the sledgehammer. The developer has been given a little bit of a hard time for you know copying. They're copying Battlefield by going back in time, which, which makes no sense. Right. Like yeah, they've impossible. been working on this game for three years, yep. and so that's just one of those unfortunate things that happens. You know, two separate groups came up with an idea. Well, every, everybody assumes yeah, that that Call of Duty games get cranked out one per year because they come out every year. Year, yeah. uh, but and that, and that, that it takes one year to make them. It actually takes three because they've got three different development teams. That's different. It used to be two, and then they they switched from a two year cycle to a three year cycle uh, the two three years ago. Yeah. No, I think this is both EA and Activision just recognizing an industry trend that gamers are starting to feel. Modern warfare, future warfare, fatigue. What's, what's, what's yeah. interesting now is that both now that both Call of Duty and uh, and Battlefield have gone back, yeah. like that basically leaves the futuristic shooter territory all to Battlefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, huh. which words we're getting this year. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's hard to know what. Uh, Although that's also in the past, Dan. <laughs> a long time. This is, so this is Sledgehammer's game, and last year was uh, Infinity Ward, and they did Infinite Warfare, and then the third studio is um, Treyarch. Treyarch, and they did, uh, they did Black, Ops. Ops, Black Ops Three, which Black Ops remains overwhelmingly the most popular Call of Duty subbrand. But it's like, yeah. will they do Black Ops Four? Like, it's a little inside baseball. But specifically, like, the zombie stuff they do is like so popular. Well, but now, now that's, that's in, in other stuff. Just in all the other, all the all the duties. Well, it wasn't mentioned. I don't think at all. In the it was. Was that. Oh, it was nice. Yeah. There's a hint. That's the cooperative mode. I mean, well, okay. So there's a there's co-op split screen now. That's a different campaign entirely. Uh, is, that, is that what the that's deal is? the zombies mode? Okay, gotcha. R- rumored to be, or you know, I mean, that's what they said. They said that on this on the reveal. They use the Z word. Oh yeah, Nazi See, zombies. I didn't watch they use the, the N Z word. Part of it. I just read our coverage. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, that was the end. They showed a picture of a Nazi zombie and said, "Yeah, this is our our cooperative mode." The N Z. <laughs> it's always uh, again. It's a little bit inside baseball, but like the different flavors, slightly different flavors of Call of Duty you get from the different studios. Like it's always been the uh, you know the Black Ops team were always like the weird. They were making the weird Call of Duty every year. I mean, for Call of Duty, like people call, talk about Call of Duty as being the most mainstream mass market thing there is. Like in the zombies mode, you had tentacles bursting out of you and you turned yeah. into a monster and like there's crazy guest stars in that too. Yeah, yeah. They had like Danny Trejo show up and yeah. Uh, yeah, and even the Black Ops Three uh, campaign was really wild too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, but you know, now it feels like we're sort of swinging back the other way to a little bit more conventional style of Call of Duty. It is interesting. Like people keep, keep saying, like, "Oh, Call of Duty's played out. I, I don't want any more of that. Yeah. I want them to do something do, new." Uh, I wonder if this is going to be different enough to bring a lot of those people back in because we're, we're no longer going to have you know double jumping and, and wall running or or you know probably crazy upgrades. You can climb everything. <laughs> it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what what the what the differing pace of combat does for the existing Call of Duty fan base. Boots on the ground, Call of Duty again. Oh, man, I, get ready to hear that phrase. Boots on the ground. Yep, a billion times yeah, from it, now it until like basically that every game 30 is seconds in this. Yeah, game. I mean I, a fun drinking game for the next nine months. <laughs> yeah, every time you hear boots on the ground. But you know, I, yes, you're completely right. But it does signal like you know we're not emphasizing vehicular combat. Like it, yeah. it's a shorthand for like trying to explain a lot of things sure. that you know I, I do understand it. Less bunny hopping. Uh, <laughs> while it is ridiculous to say that Call of Duty is copying Battlefront for going back to World War II. Uh, yeah, sorry, Battlefield. Uh, yeah, I, know. I do think the title 
Call of Duty World War II is actually pretty similar to Battlefield One, and yeah. I know that's just like a marketing decision, but well, it seems to you know they try to start these sub brands, right? And some of them take off. They make three Modern Warfare games. They you know it's clear that uh, they would have been happy to make an Infinite Warfare Two, and you know maybe they're still going to, but it was kind of a shaky game, so maybe Warfare ca- carried over. And they tried Advanced Warfare, and like you know, and and they. Uh, but uh, they're not doing that with this one. You know, it's like they can't. There's not going to be a Call of Duty World War Two two. Like so, there. This is this is <laughs> yeah. basically what the point I'm making is that this is the first Call of Duty in a long time that's not trying to start a new like sub brand of Call of Duty. Yeah. Maybe. If it's popular, it totally will. I think they'll do. I think they'll just do different. What wars. if they did like the Mega Man thing and they did World War XX? Ooh. Yeah. Which one is it? I mean, that'd be really good. In the Ooh. Year. They could do WWXX. They could absolutely do Call of Duty. Call of Duty World War Three. Yeah. I mean, I isn't, guess isn't that, that, that what half of them have been? That's what Modern <laughs> Warfare was. <laughs> sure. Well, there's been like a three and a four and a five. Yeah. Uh, anecdotally, this uh, reveal does not seem to have gotten the same negative reaction that yep. uh, Infinite Warfare got last year. Infinite Warfare had the, had the the trailer be downvoted on YouTube all over the place yeah. for some reason. And there is a big. What, do you remember why? You like, it's what's the most downvoted yeah. video ever? Well, on yeah, maybe not like ever, but at least for like video game trailers or something yes. like that. There was a. I think it's got the most overall downvotes ever, but that's a little missing because it's also one of the most viewed trailers. So it's like the. Yeah. But this one is like the yeah. has many more uh, upvotes than they, downvotes, they seem so. to have stopped the bleeding. I mean, yeah, and it's I think it's <laughs> just a matter of like, hey, this is something we haven't seen in nine years. Yeah. Whereas uh, Infinite Warfare looked a lot like Advanced Warfare. Mm-hmm. It'll be really interesting to see how uh, people react, especially younger gamers. You know, nine years is plenty of time to usher in a whole new generation of game players who didn't grow up playing. Uh, World War II games, so it'll be very interesting to see how they respond. I mean, we also, the uh, the incessant, never-stopping passage of time, yep. Damon, yep. Uh, really when World War II games Final first boss. started becoming a thing, uh, you know, even before Call of Duty, like kind of in the late 90s, yeah. that, war was, that war was like 60 years ago, now that war was like almost 80 years ago, <laughs> like like time keeps passing, so it's like that, that same time frame just keeps getting less and less relevant, and um, yeah. I, you know, I don't know, it's pretty I always strange. really closely associated Call of Duty Duty was saving Private Ryan, and it yeah. kind of came out a couple years after it. Yeah, um, I'm wondering like if like Dunkirk is going to actually like help this game kind of be in like this mm. year of mm. uh, World War II stuff. That could be. If that, if, I mean, that movie's trailers are really cool. Uh, it could be a hit. I don't know. Yeah. And I think you're right about it being notable that this franchise has that time period kind of to itself for now. And like you mentioned, Battlefront is the only thing sort of left in the future. Um, there's also Titanfall, which. You know, as much as I did like Infinite Warfare, and I've talked it up on this show, it's still, I mean, it's, it's not a good look to compare that game to Titanfall, which is overwhelmingly superior. So it's like, maybe they just, you know, look, like they made a really, really excellent future FPS product, and, you know, we're going to try to carve out this this space for ourselves. Yeah, well, it seems like they'll have a little bit more space to breathe this fall. Yeah. The shooters are uh, Destiny 2 in September, and then... Uh, August, I think, right? Or is it August? It's early. early this year. I mean, it's, fun. it's early. Call of Duty will be November third, and then Battlefront Two is a few weeks after that. So, and they're, and those are all very different flavors yeah, of shooter yeah, that true. appeal to different player bases. And I mean, honestly, the, yeah, I can see people picking up all three. Yeah, and yet, you know, we we had heard that there was going to be a big Activision reveal for a while, and I just like I lost the bet. It wasn't Pitfall. <laughs> that really, was be- yeah, it was just been a bad day for me. Pitfall, the bad bet, <laughs> the Mayan Adventure Two. Ooh, yeah, I would take it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> TMA two, yeah, I don't know. E colon <laughs> TMA two. I guess a Pitfall game today would look like a Tomb Raider game, right? If they were to do, if they were to do a yeah. modern reboot of Pitfall, yeah, yeah, you're probably describing Uncharted. It's Uncharted. <laughs> <laughs> any of us have any? Uh, it was open world though. Any of us have any family members that served in World War Two? Oh yeah, both yeah, my, grandfathers. my grandfather. One of my grandfathers did. Yeah. Well, that's what like he's not around anymore, and that's part of what like when these World War II games first started coming around. I think mm-hmm. a lot of those people are around, and now that's what got me thinking about how like you know 15, 20 years the war is even that farther in the past because there's almost there's almost nobody left. Yeah, yeah, big part of our I think generation's family history, and yeah, yeah sure. you're, as you were saying, kids you know, maybe twenty years younger than us just have a completely different relation to that because their parents are they didn't hear one more it. generation yep. removed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Kids having kids, man. <laughs> Seven kids. Uh, news on another popular shooter franchise this week. Halo 6 uh, expected to focus more solely on uh, Master Chief. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 3 Industries gave an interview this week in a magazine. They were talking about how, yeah, they've served, 
Halo 5 was well received by critics. The fan response was they were disappointed it didn't have as much Master Chief. Yeah. I you know, I love how Halo 2 you know, I get, people like the Arbiter. They love the Arbiter, the character, but playing as, you know, switching back and forth. Yeah. They're like, hmm, that didn't really work that great the first time around, but it might just work <laughs> for us. Like, except in this case, you were switching between two characters with very similar abilities yeah. and, like, very similar characters in general uh, because Locke didn't really do that much. I, I like yeah. it, it, It's like, if you're going to have me switch befe- between characters, have there be some variety in the gameplay. And they, 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 they really botched the storyline of those campaigns. I mean, the multiplayer well, is so good in Halo 5. Mm. Um, it's, I mean, it's the, it's, man, it might be the best Halo's ever been, multiplayer. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, they've improved it significantly since launch, right? Um, well, I, I guess that part I don't know about. There's but, tons more new maps. And yes. To yes. Yes. But, uh, you know, and, and to see them do such a 180 from Halo 4, which, you know, I thought was all right, but, like, I appreciate that they, they brought it back in a direction that brought Halo fans back on board. Um, but they're, they're, they're not connecting with the fans on the campaigns. For me, like, I think Master Chief has always been, like, the weakest point of that series anyway. He's not a great main character. You don't even know who he is, really. You know, he's, he's always he's in his gone. mask. His name is John, yeah. <laughs> Let's he, read those I mean, books. I know, I know the book stuff. I'm not saying I don't know who he is. I'm just saying yeah. in the games, they don't present him as that. But uh, Cortana's interesting as, like, this, like, yeah. AI that's falling apart and then the covenant is so interesting it's like this weird religious like amalgamation of species that have just been absorbed like borg style i think that's awesome and then when they took that out and like they just kind of showed up late in halo 4 and there's like this new enemies that was the Uh, biggest misstep for me not like the yeah you know the the lack of uh the spartan stuff but uh i yeah i'm not I don't know. Like, I feel like Master Chief's storyline like kind of concluded in three, and I, yeah. I feel like everything else just feels like fan fiction. Three, four, three, man. You got to figure out your storytelling. And, and also, a bizarre thing about five is they made a a co op focused campaign that didn't have split screen co op. Yeah, which was a very strange decision. I did play. I will say, I had a tremendous amount of fun playing that co op with like Brian Albert and Miranda and some people in the office. We went through a lot of that game together, and it still just feels like there's nothing else that does what Halo does from a co op campaign standpoint. Although it's a shame that you couldn't do it. Oh man, split screen Halo co op was like my life. It's a business. It was so fun. They were so grainy and and washed out, and it looked bad. But like played it so much to get the legendary achievements. Like it was so great to have someone over to do that with. They have come back and and said that that future Halo games will have split screen co-op. That's fantastic. Bring that back. I also like that they're doing the the Bioware thing where they're like, yeah, there's more Halo coming. We're not revealing it. We're not announcing it. But, you know, I mean, they're not fooling anybody. Everyone knows that this is, you know, there's another game coming. And, and it'll well, be at E3, right? That, well, so that's what I want to say. You know, if, if they're already talking vaguely about Halo 6 and Xbox is in such dire need of exclusives and E3 is right around the corner, corner do we think they're going to like... Even if it's like a t- small little teaser reveal at E3. I can see, yeah. I can see a teaser, another another Master Chief in a cloak that doesn't yep. show up in the in game. The, yeah. That was so weird. <laughs> that was so weird. Yeah. Yep. What was that desert? I don't know. What was going on there? Was he wearing Maybe that? that's six. Why is he wearing that cloak over playing? his armor? <laughs> Maybe it's the long con. It's going to come back around. Yeah. But I remember when they first showed off Halo 4 and we had kind of heard by that point that like there's some Metroid Prime people working on it and it was yeah. like in the jungle and it looked so cool. If they did that and then used Pro or Scorpio, sorry, uh, to show it off, then like it could be you know a really cool return to Halo. I mean, everything you guys are talking about, it's like I don't necessarily want Halo like it always was either. Like I do want them to experiment with and try new things. I mean, but I almost said Bungie. Three Four Three is really in a tight spot with that fan base, where uh, you know you feel the. I, I completely understand their thought process in Four, where. The, you know they're losing ground, losing ground to Battlefront, losing ground to Call of Duty, losing ground to these franchises. But then they make something that they think appeals to that fan that fan base, and then their existing fan base just screams and howls um, <laughs> about the changes that they're making and the Call of Dutyifying of Halo. And they really are stuck in a tight spot between trying to keep that franchise relevant and fresh and modern without sort of alienating um, their fans that 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 scream about even the smallest changes to the battle rifle. Um, you know, I'm a big Halo fan, but not to the degree that, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the bloom level on the yeah. DMR and stuff like that. And that's that that consumes. It's like, which which group do you listen to? Like, yeah. it's hard. They're in a tight spot. Yeah. Guys, I want a Halo space shooter so bad. Mm. Like second to Star Wars. They teased it. It's in the a, one I want. The, the, the space shooter I want the most. I Halo think Reach cool teased ships. It. The Halo Reach combat, just for that level where you start in the beach, you go to the space elevator, you get in space, and then you fly around shooting stuff. Like, that was my favorite Halo moment by far. Yeah. 
It's like a rogue squadron with yeah, Halo. Exactly. I mean, or, or rogue, squadron rogue squadron with Star Wars would be pretty nice too. <laughs> yeah. They did say, I mean, I, you know, I say they're in a really tight spot, but they really did nail it with Halo 5. You know, the 60 FPS, fast multiplayer, um, you know, that that mix of sort of big open uh, maps and then smaller, like, you know, esports style arena maps. Um, they, they, you know, so maybe they kind of sort of strike that balance that I was saying was going to be really tricky. Um, I think the multiplayer is in a great spot. They yeah. They need to figure out. They just need to pick, like, is the expectation if you play this campaign that you've read all the books or that you've read none of the books? And right now they're, totally. they're, they're kind of a little wishy-washy about it. All right, Justin, this next story is for you. Oh, goodness. Is uh, it the Burnout one? Yeah. The creators of Burnout have announced a new car crashing game. It's called Danger Zone. And it's about car crashing. Yep. Like Criterion? Not Criterion. So uh, former Criterion developers started their own studio and made that game last golf year. Game. Dangerous Golf. Yeah. Which is not great. No. But now they're making a new game that's like Burnout Crash, just yes. the crash mode. Yes, uh, it's out next out next month. PS4 and PC next month. Thirteen bucks, and it's twenty single player crash testing scenarios. What a weird price! <laughs> no, and this is for people mobile. who haven't played. This is mainly like you're flinging a car or driving a car at something like as fast as possible. It's the intersection. Like it's almost like Katamari. You try to like get it to collide as much as possible. Yeah, and if you. Uh, get your crash breaker. You can keep it going and like ricochet. You get, usually had a little bit of control of your car after yeah. you crash. So you like crash into one lane of traffic, then try to like steer into the other lane yeah. of traffic. Oh, and remember, there was that game. I think it was called Burnout Crash that yeah, came to the top down XBLA. Uh, but this isn't top down. This yeah. is a full 3D like Only old school burnout. Intersections? 20. 20. For, for 13, 13 bucks. 20 is not a lot. I know. It $13 is also not a lot. So. Yeah. But I am pretty starved myself for burn, any, anything burnout. And then it rates you on like a leaderboard, like arcade yeah. style. Yeah, exactly. We dug out, I said, we, I mean, Ryan McCaffrey had his Xbox 360 on his desk, and we were playing Burnout 3 Crash Mode last month, and it's still great. That's so good. Like a lot of that stuff isn't. Like a lot of the stuff that I loved was awesome for the time, but then the world kind of moved on. But Burnout still feels great. Looks, yeah. It actually looks really great. Like yeah. it Put that in Paradise just a little bit. You could like roll down the street, like Katamari style, and like destroy yeah. stuff. Yeah. But I remember that was the big complaint where that got like kind of ripped out of it, and it became like this open world driving game. But yeah. I liked Paradise a lot. Paradise is a a phenomenal game, but the crash mode. Um, it, it, the problem is that they're not that's scripted. What kind of, that's what kind of bugs me yeah. about you know they went open world, and a lot of people really like that game. But I always loved the old, the simple arcade ness of yeah. the classic yeah. burnout games. It's, it's, really fun. it's because they weren't controlled; like you could crash anywhere yeah. and, at any time without having it set like a semi is going to cross this way, and then this is going to happen this way. There were little puzzles for you to figure yeah. out, yeah. and then it looked really good at the time too. Oh, yeah. So it was like, like car is crash. Gonna, porn. Is this going to pace that with like yeah, exactly like that? Like yeah, I mean, I don't think a thirteen dollar game is going to be like. Yeah. Oh, but but, but that's the thing is like. With like Project Scorpio coming out, like why can't we get a, just a new full AAA burnout game? Like people want that. What's going on? Yeah, we're the arcade was racers. A, Paradise was a success, wasn't it? And like I think how, that was two thousand and eight, the same year gracious. as World at War. So I mean, that's maybe, how long I guess. Well, in the well, case that became the Need for Speed series, right? Well, not. Uh, no. I guess yeah, because Dice. Um, I don't know if it's like the exact same team. I think that got whatever the case, the open world checkpoint based. Well, and like stuff, Forza, and but Forza that's Horizon. A, that's, they occupy the same space for gamers, but I don't know what the burnout team. I don't know what happened to them. Well, Criterion, uh, we're making that off-road vehicle game that they showed at E3 several E3s ago, and, and then it evaporated. Yeah, I don't think I think that's vaporware. Hmm. Anyway, I remember that one? I sorry, you said PS4 and Steam. PS4 uh, and PC. All well, Danger Zone is next month. We'll, we'll check it out. We'll check it out. Yeah. Do you think it's going to have Highway to the Danger Zone in the title screen? I don't know. I don't know if they can afford the license. Paradise to that song. had Paradise City in it. Yeah, but that's <laughs> the, the, they had EA, <laughs> EA behind them. I don't know if these guys can afford. Uh, what does Danger Zone cost? I mean, if you guys need us to cover Danger Zone and send it to you, we can definitely do that. Take care of that. Creators of Danger Zone. So here's some calculus for you: thirteen dollars without Danger Zone, sixteen dollars with Danger Zone. <laughs> you get to choose. Yeah, I'd pay the yeah. sixteen dollars. Yeah, yeah. Why not? What's, what's the Danger Zone fee? Yeah, $3 per copy. Uh, also coming this spring, you know, a, a game that I was not expecting to hear about this week. Night Trap Remastered. Big fan. Uh, I think it's awesome because I never played the original Night Trap, although this, is an, this game is inf infamous. Mm -hmm. This is a very controversial game in the early 90s. Came to Sega CD and sort of helped along with uh, Mortal Kombat to spark the... Uh, 
SRB. Moral outrage. Yeah, the moral outrage at how uh, video yeah, games are getting SRB. too obscene for uh, impressionable young minds. Mm -hmm. So what's cool about Night Trap is that the story of Night Trap starts in the 80s. And if you look at it, like look at what that game is, it's, it's all mo full motion video. Mm -hmm. And it's a bunch of actresses, including Dana Plato from uh, Different Strokes. Uh, and uh, so the, and what you're doing is you're kind of playing this, this movie out and you're trying to stop these vampires from attacking these like basically sorority girls. And uh, it, it, it looks very 80s though. And that's because it was made for a VHS system called the Nemo that Hasbro was working mm. on. And they also made Sewer Shark for this. So like yeah. in like 1987, they filmed games basically and they spent like millions of dollars. And then those never came out and they shelved them. And then when CD-ROM technology came around, they're like, hey – I made like this guy that worked on it was like I have games that could work in this technology be much cheaper than putting it on VHS, and they and Sega sorted it out and put out Sewer Shark and Night Trap. Like, weren't those like titles. the launch? Yeah, they were just gonna say they're the launch. Yeah, titles and Night Sega Trap CD. actually like you're like the Sega squad in it. They like branded it that way, so they took that out for these reissues. By the way, even on the 3DO they took that out. But you're like playing this like security force that's stopping these ninja looking vampires. Uh, called aug augers or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, from uh, from attacking these women by like turning a wall, like a, a, a bookcase around, and you know it's like Dragon's Lair. It's a really cool idea for a game. Yeah, you have like a layout of the house. You can switch different cameras, and then you can trap people, and it's super cheesy, like yeah. to the point of like. And then the scenes are violent. Like yeah. there's like the really girls get snatched, troubling and off violence. And yeah, and they get like a collar that, put on them, and then like this like drill goes into their arm, and so it takes it's actually, all the blood out. It's actually like gore. It's like I said, barely any, anything like that. It okay. just they just capture them and then they put a device on them. And they said they made that device and stuff, that whole scene, to make it like less violent, to make it cartoony. Yeah. <laughs> but when they took those out of context, you see a girl yeah. in a nighty being collared with like all these like ninjas around her. It's very strange looking. Yeah. yeah. And that was shown on the floor of the United States Senate. And then they would they were saying like with Mortal Kombat, those like you know people getting their heads punched off and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like. Clearly a violent game. I mean, it's because it was this, real like, people. This is a game yeah. about, yeah, trapping women, and it was about that. But it was the opposite of that. And yeah. they wouldn't let them, like, make the, the arguments about it and all this stuff. So they pulled it from shelves. And uh, We should also point out crazy. that Night Trap is a notoriously terrible game. Like, oh, terrible. Yeah. And it's I don't mean morally, but I just no, mean, It's just like, not supposed to be a good like game. It's bad, though. Like, yeah. you can figure it out, at least. I mean, there, there's... a very low standard. I know. <laughs> but there's, there's a plethora of terrible <laughs> Sega CD full motion yeah. video games. I had all of them. I had a Sega. video games are just bad on the Sega CD. I well, went through that phase. a little bit better. I mean, I was a Genesis kid growing up, and I had a Sega CD and just tried so hard to justify to myself that these games were good and fun. And I, I never had Night Trap, but I had Sewer Shark. I played... I Three, six, yeah. matter. Three, six, or they, uh, Dog Meat and matter. Rat Breath. I played so much Sewer Shark like thinking that game was good, even though I mean, you know, obviously it wasn't. I had this weird, yeah, I had a You're lot playing of playing a six year old game. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's insane. It's super weird to me. Full motion video was the big thing at the time. That's supposed to be the new tech. And I think that's what the 3DO system was all about. Like filmed, like with, you know, TV cameras, like it's probably remasterable in a really nice mm. way. And it's ultimately like mystery science theater level of pulp movie. Yeah. And you just control a little bit of elements of it. So like don't appreciate it on the level of it being, you know, like good or bad storytelling. Like it's a cheesy piece of crap. Yeah, that's why yeah. it could be fun to play. Yeah, that's I look forward it's to also a little bit troubling to, to watch. Honestly, I'm just. Putting I mean, that out there. You just touched on the remaster part of it that I'm curious about. Like, you know, the FMV, at least on the Sega CD, was notoriously, you know, it's, it's a grainy little postage stamp. But it was mind-blowing at the time because you're used to Sega Genesis graphics to see an actual yeah. human. But I'm curious about the source video file, like how high-res that is, like how good that could potentially look. Yeah, I mean, like, I wonder if they just have the, the TV. And it's probably not shot on film. Stuff, so. I mean, it's Matt. It's to be better than, like, standard def. Yeah. Yeah, it would be, like, tape. I guess we'll see. We'll, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I don't know coming. if they'll do like widescreen or whatever. And then the controls are like always like non-existent. It's always just like you just select from a menu. Yeah. That's coming out this spring on PS4. Yeah. Really yeah. strange. I'm totally excited for it. It's just a pulpy, weird yeah. thing to be happening. And then there's it's a just... there's a retail version of it. Well, no. Limited limited run games that's, is doing Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. but it's not gonna be like sold at Best Buy. Uh, that's, I should I shouldn't physical. say that. There I is mean, a there is a physical copy, but uh and there's a thirty two X colored one and a Sega C one because yeah. it was ported to thirty two X. It's cool that limited run games is doing physical editions of yeah. games, but they only print like two thousand and they sell out really fast. I think they promised that's more smart. for this one. Mm -hmm. so, but they didn't because Night Trap is Pretty popular. Commodity. Yeah. 
Mount 3DO too for you 3DO collectors. <laughs> uh, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Hey, listeners. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com, just like Siggy from Reykjavik, Iceland. Ooh, nice. Short for maybe Sigmund. Maybe. He says, reading IGN's review of Outlast 2 from yesterday, I have begun to wonder more seriously if horror games are turning into horror exploitation Mm. just for the sake of it. Oh, my. The review says, among other things, Outlast 2's relentless scares, unforgiving monsters, and provocative meditations on faith are an anxiety-inducing horror experience. I'm all for horror in games and movies, but I'd rather not need to pop a Xanax before turning on my PlayStation. Recent games in the horror genre seem to become more and more horrifically gory and unsettling, way beyond the original survival horror games of old, like Resident Evil and Silent Hill. Perhaps I'm just getting old. In fact, I'm turning 38 this Thursday, and parenthood is getting to me. What do you guys think? Is this needless exploitation or just another flavor to enjoy? I'm sure Justin has got something to say about this. Um, Pressure. No, I mean, it's not that different than film that sort of swings back and forth between, like, you know, body horror and, like, you know, the hostile movies. Then then, uh, the pendulum swings back to more, like, psychological horror. And, like, you know, not that it's classy, but, like, The Conjuring is just a different kind of scares, you know. And then slasher movies are popular and ghost stories are popular. Um, uh, Games are are similar in that sense, I think. You know, you see the flavor of the month uh, horror or flavor of, you know, the four or five years just swings back and forth between different styles of horror. Yeah. No, I think the the horror genre is always about like pushing boundaries and sort of like how far can we go mm-hmm. with this? Like if you were going to make a slasher movie, what would even be the point if you weren't going to try to include uh, you know, more gruesome kills, right? Like what would even We've already had a thousand slasher movies with a thousand kills. What are you bringing to the table, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of it is probably that the fidelity of, the, of these games has increased so much. Yeah. Like, there's so much more detail, which means there's a lot more unsettling stuff they can do with it. And you know what? There's something to scary games being simplified, polygon wise or 2D wise. Like, I was scared of games when I was a kid, and they're so unrealistic because so much of your imagination is being put into it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. it's there's there's something to be said for limiting an artist to make something hor- you know horror inducing. Versus now, do you just show someone's head getting cut in half? Yeah, and it looks perfect. Well, yeah, like which happens in Resident Evil Seven. I was just gonna say, Resident Evil Seven is a super gory game. Yeah, it never bothered me though. I, I I've always really enjoyed. You know, I've been a gore movie fan. I mean, yeah, I like would read. Fa- uh, uh, what was the what's the horror magazine like? Fad- oh yeah, um, Van, it's like Van Gore. Fangoria. Yeah, I remember reading that as a kid. I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> well, I wanted to find out about how they made all fan. the spe- special effects. I've never been to a Guar concert. Me neither. Ooh. But I've seen them. I, mean, I always like I joke about not playing spooky games, which I, you know I don't um, because I don't want to. I don't like spooky games. Don't like spooky movies because I don't like that feeling of being yeah. scared by a game or movie. But in the case of horror games specifically. Uh, I don't really like them on just like a mechanical or game design level. I think it's a lot of like smoke and mirrors and trickery. Like uh, uh, it's sort of like when the facade falls, like if you're able to break the game or break the AI on an enemy or they get stuck behind something, it, it, it just, I, I don't know. I, I don't like a horror movie. They can control exactly where you're going to go, exactly what you're going to see. Um, and they can ratchet up that tension in a way that horror games, they have tricks up their sleeve too, but it's just not quite the same in really my opinion. Point. The pacing is really hard to get right in a, in a, in a game where you can move forward at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you true. don't you don't get the like you said the ratcheting tension. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that you know we do uh, awards every year at IGN. We give out best action game, best uh, adventure game, but horror is subject matter. It's not genre and so but but we still put it in this separate category like survival horror kind of is yeah it is some horror games are puzzle games and some horror games are action games and um it, to me i would just rather play i would rather play a different puzzle game or action game than one that is that has some monsters you know busting out of a closet every once in a while yeah you're not gonna play Outlast two? <laughs> Goodness gracious, no. I mean, like Resident Evil, like maybe just because I'm. It, it seems like like that uh, that compound and that house is just kind of an interesting yeah. place to explore. And um, I really like the old Resident Evil games for that same reason. Like the Spencer Mansion, just as a location. Like I totally loved and appreciated getting into all its nooks and crannies. But I didn't care so much about the horror part of it. Resident Evil Seven is one of my favorite games of the year. Oh yeah. Uh, this is Eric Walter. 
He says, I saw on IGN a fan made a 2D Breath of the Wild demake. What other current generation games would you like to see in an NES 2D style demake? And he says, how about this one, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker? <laughs> That's really not much of a stretch. That was a 16-bit game. Mm-hmm. So just jumping back to 8-bit wouldn't be really that It's an odd suggestion. Well, you, you, wait, de- you could demake it to Atari, I guess. I guess so. That'd be- I mean, Horizon. Well, so, I mean, I've even seen another fan-made, like, yeah. pixel representation of what that would look like, and yeah. Halo 2600 is amazing. Like uh, Titanfall. Yeah. That'd be a cool one. Yeah. I mean, almost almost yeah, anything totally is like... 16-bit, where you, like, like, there's my favorite SNES game is called uh, Metal Warriors, and uh, that's totally the same thing <laughs> yeah. as Titanfall. You're, like, a really tiny guy, and you hop in these giant robots, and you and there's even a competitive multiplayer. Or like Blaster Master. <laughs> yeah, Blaster Master. <laughs> sure. well, we just yeah, described Blaster Master. Well, Blaster Master 2 didn't have that. We were just looking at it. Remember it's that? insane. Or the yeah. Game Boy one. Is yeah, that what it was? which is called Blaster Master Boy, yeah. I want to say. And it's more of a Bomberman game. Yeah, you don't ever so get weird. in the tank. You, yeah, you're just it's in just the top, top down. down. How bizarre. Yeah. I do that. How bizarre. I do think it's interesting that, you know, people do, when they do demakes, it goes back to pixel art. No one's yeah. ever like, mm-hmm. I'd love to see what Halo would look like on the original PlayStation. Yeah. That's just like <laughs> a very, it's just a very ugly time yeah, for that, video that, games. That first gen uh, yeah. uh, 3D stuff was yeah. not. Oof. But maybe our aesthetics could change at some point and that, I mean, maybe. Will, that will be different. So like, yeah. yeah, but we are, like I noticed even the younger people on staff, like the four of us are all a little bit older. Um, even the younger people on staff have a nostalgia for like chunky pixels, like PS1 yeah. pixels. Like yeah, like Crash. Like, yeah, like Crash is a perfect example. Like, uh, y- you know, depending on the age that you first got really hardcore into video games, like, you know, you can't, it's not always rational. Like, you just have an affinity for what you have an affinity for. I mean, there was a time in which NES graphics were ugly. Like, that's the whole purpose of yeah. 16-bit, 32-bit, 64-bit systems. Is people are like, we got to make these games look better. <laughs> and now we, like, totally respect that look. And, like, that'll happen with polygons. But, I, I mean, I do. I mean, even compared to you two, I have more of an affinity for 16-bit. Like, I don't—the 8-bit aesthetic— I don't know. It's a really weird—like, you know, nostalgia side. Like, I have an affinity for 8-bit music <laughs> more oh, yeah. than 8-bit that's graphics, yeah. for sure. I actually think I agree with you on that. Because I, I, you know, I like both 8- and 16-bit— Graphics, but 16-bit just is. Ugh. I think it's just so much more Ugh. beautiful. What about so, Game Boy? That I, green, I think Ooh, snotty. <laughs> yeah. I just think there, there's there's pixel art that's good and pixel art that's bad. And there's there's a bunch of old Nintendo games that do look really bad, but there there are yeah. also ones that that you look back on. It's like wow, the artistry that went into that that art style is great, and mm-hmm. you can respect that. You know, it's, it's just working in a different medium, really. So I don't even think you necessarily need nostalgia to appreciate pixel art games. Yeah. I really love, uh, love, love, love. It's mostly happening in the indie scene, but uh, people that take, you know, maybe it's a 16-bit sprite, but, you know, it's just animated so much more lavishly than they could possibly have done uh, back then. Or, you know, they put more modern effects on More colors, it. especially. Yeah, and more, you know, a greater color palette. Well, you got to be careful with that to not, you know, to have it still sort of feel authentic. The first example that I remember of a game doing that was, uh, well, it's not an indie game. It was Zelda Four Swords. You know, it was top-down. It was a top-down sprite-based game, but it it had modern looking smoke effects and explosion effects. Oh yeah, yeah. And that oh, Wind Waker, like the kind of spiraling yeah, ones. Yeah, and like that's the first time sure other games had done that, but that's the first time it lodged in my head and I've noticed it ever since. Like I just love games that have an old aesthetic but, you know, put some sort of like we're able to do things now that we couldn't do in the past and strike that balance. Yeah. It's really wonderful. It's time to share what we've been playing. Dan, would you like to share first? Well, we have a new name for the show. It's What Gets Marty Hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're Marty this week. Oh, no. Okay. What's been getting you hard lately, Dan? <laughs> we can't. We, I'm, I'm, I'm working on, on the Dawn of War 3 review, which is almost done. And probably, maybe by the time you see this, it'll be up. Uh, but uh, I put up earlier, I put up last week the campaign review, and now I'm finalizing that with the multiplayer stuff. So today, is it more like Dawn of War 1 with the big style battles, or Dawn of War 2, the hero battles? It's more, more like 1 in that way, but it's got the heroes mixed in. How okay. is it not mid-morning of War by now? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's very very much like uh, like <laughs> Warcraft 3, if you if you played that one. Mm. And you know, Warcraft 3 is the, the game that originated the MOBA genre. Yeah, you got, you got uh, Defense Warcraft of the Warcraft 3 originated the MOBA genre? Crazy, well, crazy so, historical moment. So Dota, the original Dota, Defense of the Ancients, was a mod for Warcraft 3, okay. which, which spun out the hero characters they had you know, okay. leading the armies into their own thing. Okay. So it, it sprung from, from that game. Scoop! Yeah, seriously, that was a scoop to me this week, too. I, I think that's really neat. 
point in history. Uh, but Dawn of War 3 is kind of in that vein. It's it's not a very accessible game for newcomers. Newcomers, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of uh, a lot of kind of nuanced rules that aren't super apparent how they work, and their effects are not dramatic. So it's mm-hmm. it feels like layering on uh, a bunch of little things in order to produce a big result, and that's just it's it's takes some doing to get your head around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like there's one multiplayer mode and not a whole lot of maps, so it feels a little bit a little bit thin in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's it's good. I'm having fun. Yeah, hmm. Sam. It's cool. Well, I, I'm playing mostly the game that shall not be named, um, but I did watch most of Night Trap ah, yes. today. Which is <laughs> what you do when you play the game. Yeah, you watch. So I have been playing that. No, I'm playing Zelda still. Yeah, I have 300 Korok seeds. Wow, a lot. on your own, dude. Yeah. I beat I'm, that I'm game. Get 900. I beat that I'm game not with, on your with own. Like, surely. No, I'm gonna use the guide. I'll use our map. Are you using? Totally but you, did you get 300 by yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't need to look for them for yeah. 300. That's still great. Well, I'm just discovering. Can I talk about this? I mean, it's Give me what, 30 seconds. It's what we're playing. I'm just discovering that with the Koroxies, there's there's p- types of puzzles, classes that yep. I didn't know existed. That's the best feeling. And I, and I like found like the other day there was like a nut on a tree, and I just shot it. And I was like, there's a dang Korok in there. <laughs> and uh, then I was like, oh, I probably passed 50 of these. When you yeah. discover a new puzzle type of Korok is just the best feeling. Check out this one. You can squat down and look into a uh, log. Yep. And there's a freaking Korok in there. Of course there is. So like, yeah, those are the ones like I'm, I've explored everything and I can't believe that like I'm at 300. That's one third of this collectible and I haven't even seen what the others could look like. I have, I'm scouring that game. It's crazy. I beat that game with like 25 Koroks. How is that possible? That's what I said. <laughs> Didn't you expand your inventory? The inventory. Yeah, I put it all yeah. into my weapons. And the then, inventory space is so nice. I mean, yeah, I agree. I would love to have more of it. <laughs> Justin, what you playing? Oh, I am still playing The Witcher 3, Damon. There Let me go. tell you, I uh, I killed some elves. <laughs> I entered a Gwent tournament. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I uh, I played that entire series of DLC and everything. I never touched Gwent. Uh, Gwent's really good. I mean, but I like, you know, I like, yeah, I yeah. come from that background, Hearthstone. Really um, sucked John Ryan in. He was super into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little clunky in Witcher 3, which, you know, they fixed in the standalone release. They sort of fixed that clunkiness. Why but, are you killing elves? Because um, they were fucking up my shit. <laughs> Which elves? No, I, I, I almost said spoiler warning for a two-year-old game. There's a, there's a Witcher contract where there's some beast in the woods killing people, but it turns out it's elves. Oh, okay. Okay. And then I think when I... It's, when it's a beast in the woods, it's the best situation that game because you get some big, scary monsters. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I resolved the quest with the Bloody Baron. I finished all of that um, and Did got... to the swamp? Yeah, I got to the, the swamp. The witch's stuff is super creepy. With the witch's stuff. And uh, then the outcome of his story, which goes in these two very different branching directions and, and closed that off. Made it to the big capital city. Ran all around there. The big, big city. Nova, no, Novigrad, right? It's crazy how big that city is for a game. Yeah, it's like it's like the most realistically proportioned city in an RPG I can think of. I never learned the layout of it. Yeah. I got so confused. I went back there so many times, I never learned it. It compromised a little bit. Like, you can't go into a lot of the houses and stuff. But just in terms of scope, um, yeah, they really they nailed that in a way that few open-world RPGs do. Um, I am still a little ambivalent towards it. Like, it just like the reason this is on my mind is because you showed me that whale. That's what that's what really got it started. <laughs> but we're, we're doing top 100 RPGs. It's going up next Monday. I'm confident ish that we're gonna hit that deadline um and the witcher 3 is like really high on that list and i tried to play it three times and could never get into it i'm like much further now right yeah and but i i still don't see it i think it's good i think it's a good rpg i don't consider it you know one of the top 10 or top 25 rpgs ever made at this point i i I find the combat kind of boring would Um, you rank those (laughs) the rpg combats i know just rpgs yeah um stay tuned I love I love the characters and the storytelling and sort of the ambiguity of the world, uh, all that stuff I love. But the actual gameplay, I, like again, it's not bad, but I just I don't think it's exceptional. I get along with Roach. Oh, Roach is terrible. All the horse play. I like I like the, that Roach will follow a path. Yeah, but he, he doesn't half the time. Like it's like hold down, roach. hold down the button, and Roach will follow the path. And but then you know, sixty percent of the time he does, and the other forty percent of the time he's leading me into a fence. <laughs> Classic. Check, check out the mountains south of the swamp. Just go up there. Yeah, I see. That's the thing. I'm not just doing enough of. Try that. Ooh, I it's found a guy. I, I did all the Letho stuff, which is just a wonderful surprise as someone that cares about Witcher. It's another Witcher that uh, is a character from his past. If you play the previous mm-hmm. games and. Um, yeah, all the writing is tr- really, truly excellent. 
Uh, still playing Persona 5, liking it the more I play it. Still playing Flinthook. I beat the first boss, and I'm trying to take uh, down the second one there. Uh, but in my quest to revisit Game Boy games, mm-hmm. I was playing Super Mario Land. Yeah, the original? Yeah, just Super do, Mario do, 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 What a weird game, Land. right? Do, do, super do, weird game, super do, do, weird do. Mario game. I would love to, I, I'd love to look at... We have uh, all the old like EGMs uh, in the office now. I'd love to see what people were saying about that game at the time because... There's shooter levels in it. World, Do they have the giant sprites or is that two? No, that's two? no, that's two. This one, like, it looks, so tiny. It looks tiny really crappy, especially at first because it's just like it just looks like a janky version of Super Mario Bros. Then you're in Egypt and you're like, cool. That's the thing. So it's like on NES, you know, you progress to Super Mario Brothers two and three, and those games looked better and better. And then you go back; it's like a it's like a worse looking version of the original Super Mario Brothers. And you're like, Ugh, this is crazy. But yeah, then all of a sudden you get to Egypt, and things start getting really interesting, and it gets really challenging. It's and on Earth. Shooter levels. How weird is that? Yeah, it's like it's a really it's weird game, game, but it's it's short too. There's only four worlds, uh, so you can actually beat it in a. Really, fairly there's short. Aliens amount of time. in it—that's unusual. Yeah, there's aliens. The uh, turtles blow up after you jump on them. I don't think I don't think Mario Land is canon. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the girl, except that now yeah. that the, the lions from that are going to be in uh, Super Mario Odyssey. But 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 guys, Daisy is from that game. Mm. That's where Daisy is yeah, from. That's here. Who's in every Mario Kart and Mario? When Party you get game. to her in every level, she turns into a, uh, an animal and bounces off the screen. Just. <laughs> Gotta go after the. Gotta go to the next Which level. Just so Mario yeah. three with the, Wait, the yeah. so, but she's not even being captured. She's just running away from you. Or so an, an animal was pretending oh. to be her. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, it's the sorry it's animal. It's so much like one, which I think is cool. It's like the only like there's a sequel to one, a direct sequel to one called right. Super Mario Brothers two in Japan. Is it? Is that's it? not great? But this is kind of a weird spin on Super Mario Brothers one. It's definitely worth checking out. It's a weird game. I liked it more and more the way more I played it. But at first, it does not give you a good impression in the first level the gameplay feels great in that game but the visually is it's a mess yeah um isn't it interesting how in the 80s there's just like stuff in video games like i played back to the future two and three um it's one cart back to the future two and three and like you fight bouncing hamburgers in that game i just never questioned it as a kid yeah Yeah. but it's like that doesn't make any sense like why is daisy turning into an animal and bouncing away like you're just like oh okay i guess literally nothing in any of the super mario uh, universes make sense no it's it's, oh my gosh the music and the egyptian level super good too it's this weird Game Boy had weird instruments. Yeah, the uh, sound chip. If Jared the Petty was actually, here, the music's actually really good. If Jared Petty was here, he'd tell us all about the Game Boy sound chip. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. I learned a Super Mario Brothers fun fact uh, last weekend. Uh, the, you know, this a segment. The original <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Uh, the music in that game is some of the most iconic music. Not even of just video games, but pretty much anyone who is living during this time, our, our generation, will recognize that music, right? Like even our parents. There's less than three minutes of music in that entire game. Whoa. <laughs> the Whoa. entire first Super Mario Brothers. Less oh, than three so minutes. Cool. Yeah. What a great space-saving measure. Yeah, it's cool. Is <laughs> one loop. of the level songs just the other one backwards? <laughs> what a loop. Yeah, also, what a great business for a composer to be in. <laughs> I mean, Koji Kondo. Koji Kondo, yeah. That's really yeah. great. All right, it is time to play Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Rick in Salvador, Brazil. Huzzah, Rick. Yeah. Let the questioning begin. Does your character speak? Mm. Here we go. Mm. (laughs) A tough one right off the bat. Could be (laughs) Qbert. I don't think so. Okay. Does not obviously speak. Mm. Hmm. Sam, you want to? Yeah, I definitely want to know if it's after (laughs) 2000. (laughs) Was it released after January 1st, yeah. 2000? No. Okay. And he's from Brazil. Sounds like a Sega game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked about that in GameScoop. That's like yeah. a legitimate thing. We'll see. I mean, could we uh, look, look for Sonic games? I think that well, well, let, let's see if we're, it's in the 90s. Is it after 90, 1990, January 1st? Yes. Okay. 90s game. Yeah, ask about Sega. Yeah. Um, is, is it a Sega game? What do you mean by is it a Sega game? Was it was it published by Sega? No. Interesting. Uh, was mm. this of the 16-bit generation? No. Mm, good question. Oh boy. So wait. So uh, ooh, but uh, well. So here's what trips me off about that. As it was very late. It's. I assume you know 32-bit, but it could also be very late 8-bit. It could just be PlayStation or 64. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, is this a part of the 32 or 64-bit generation? No. 
Game Boy what? PC. Yeah, Game Gear, Game Boy PC. Is this a portable game? No. Shh, what's wrong with you, Damon? <laughs> Why do you bring us games like this? We're in real trouble here. Hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Mm. Let's let's revisit this. Yeah. It's not 16. Or 32, or handheld. So... That so leaves PC or late 8-bit. Or what is PC? What's the difference between PC? I mean, it's just a PC game isn't part of the console generations. I mean, I feel like that's a little bit of a question that hoses us somewhat. But <laughs> yeah, that that error would be a little tough. Uh, hmm. right, should we should we try and narrow down our genre? Also, no. I'm pretty sure your character doesn't speak. Okay, mm. so is this on? Right. Is this a console game? Yes. All right. So it's a it's a Nintendo game. Is it on NES? Yes. All right. Okay. Goodness gracious! <laughs> All right. Uh, well, okay. So wait. So late NES games, yeah, like I, like Wario's Woods, if you, Kirby, the, I mean, but Kirby. No, I mean even Super Mario Brothers three is after ninety. It, it had a good really? solid year of nineteen ninety. Should we ask if it's a platformer? Yeah, that's fine. Is, is it a platformer? Yes. I bet. It, I think it's Kirby. That's ten. Is this made by? Uh, uh, well, is this a Japanese game? You're asking if it's a Japanese game? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Is it a Nintendo game? The Nintendo? Developed by Nintendo. No. <laughs> Late NES game not developed by Nintendo but made Platformer. in Japan. Platformer. Yeah, could be Mega like, Man 4, 5, or 6. Could be like Ninja Gaiden 3. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we're into like wood, deep, deep sequel territory. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like everything. Everything's from there. Um, were that many NES games came out after 1990? I think about the consoles being mostly yeah. like the Genesis came out in 89. 90 was a great year. Okay. Yeah, it's Mario 3. Yeah, uh, but it's not made by Nintendo. So yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, is it a part of a franchise? <laughs> uh, uh, for the way you mean, no. Great. That's <laughs> that means it could be it could be a licensed game. Ninja Turtles. That's a brawler. That's is not it a, a licensed game. Yes. All right. So it could be like TMNT Tournament Fighters. Yeah, but it's a platformer. But oh. yes. Oh. Oh. Oh my. <laughs> what, what about that that TMNT game? That's a brawler. I would. Is call it based on a movie? No. There's a lot of platforming in that. Ooh. Not based on a movie. That's 15. Hmm. Oh man, they were all based on movies. I was thinking like Gremlins 2. Like, no, that's a. a, a but the next thing for me is: is it based on a TV show? I'm, what, I'm trying to think. About, I'm trying to think about TV show games. Yeah, I mean, well, all the Capcom games. Oh, but it's, it's also it's weird. Rescue Rangers. There's weird stuff like Spy vs. Spy. That's not. That's licensed. Well, can, but can we, can we just ask if it's a Capcom game? Okay. Is this a Capcom game? Yes. Ooh, saved us. Yeah. So, is it from Disney? After no, I mean, uh, yeah, we can narrow it down to Disney. How many questions oh, do we have left? Yeah, four questions left. I'm just double checking. Because it could be like Little Nemo, or it could be Mega Man, or it could, it be, it could no, but it's licensed. You could just ask if it's part of the the uh, collection. Well, what was your question about Capcom, though? Hold on, let's go back. What was your question about Capcom? And you said, "Is it a Capcom game?" And what did you mean by that? Oh my God, dude. hold on, hold on. Did you mean like, what did you mean by that? I okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the question. Was it? Uh, is it a Capcom game? Means was it developed by Capcom? Okay, then the answer is no. So Capcom published, but not, yeah. <laughs> not released. They're <laughs> not not developed. I don't know enough about those. Yeah. Did they not develop like all those Rescue Rangers games? Did they publish some that they didn't develop? I don't even think about publisher relationships. I mean, this is pointing at like Little Nemo to me, which is weird. Um, was that licensed? Yeah, yeah. Off based off what? An anime movie. Oh. Um. Oh. oh my goodness. Four questions left. So if it's not Disney, like Hudson developed some Disney. Nah, that was early on, though. Hmm. This is a real pickle. Uh, we're in we're in Samtown. We're okay. co- we're fully in Samtown. How about um, it, is this based on a Disney license? No. All right. That was good. Yeah, that eliminates everything for me. Eliminates all <laughs> that Disney collection games. <laughs> is it based on a cartoon? No. Capcom published it, and it's licensed on the NES. We have two. Did you actually hone in on the NES? No. Well, well we assume you know, you know it's a console game from the '90s that's not part of the 16 or 32-bit generation. Nor is it on handheld. No, you asked if it was NES. Yeah, we did. You're right. You, we did. We you asked 8-bit, then you asked uh, NES. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure your character doesn't speak. It is licensed. 
Okay. Not based on a movie or a cartoon. So what are the other things? So there's um, Capcom did not. Oh, it's Yonoid. It. What? Be Yonoid. Ooh, did they make the Capcom make that? N- no, this weird Japanese company made it. But I mean, did they publish it? Uh, yeah, Capcom definitely published it. That that sounds like a strong contender. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is the Noid in it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yo Noid. Yo Noid. Released yeah, developed in as a completely different ninja game in Japan. In Japan, and then just modified into a, a Noid game here in the U.S. <laughs> One of my favorite games ever. What an embarrassment would it would be. <laughs> I knew, like, I knew you knew that game. Yeah, it's so great. I wanted you to get there. Uh, Published by Capcom, developed by Now Productions, which is still in business, still making games. What? Yeah. What do they make? I, you'd have to look at their. Think what the no, weirdest fact know? about that twenty questions was. What's that? What's that it? it came out after nineteen ninety. It came out in nineteen ninety. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's really strange. I mean, yeah. it's a play choice game. Like that's a really weird. Uh, yeah, it showed yeah. up in like play choice ten stuff, didn't it? Yeah. So your favorite eighties games like Yo Noid. Oh ha! Oh yeah. contraire. Yeah, exactly. Actually, <laughs> now you know. You can actually Yo Noid. Man, crazy. That one goes in the win column. Mm-hmm. Good. Nicely done. Yeah. Well done, Sam. MVP of that one. I could just—I just had to picture all the purple cartridges. I'd never Little actually... Nemo would have been interesting because if it was a cartoon, I think it would have fit every single thing we got there except for the cartoon. Well, one. isn't Little Nemo based on like a classic story? Yeah, a comic. Like, like are, but, old, but there was like, an anime at the time an anime, okay. that, that mm-hmm. brought it back. I see. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never actually played Yonoid. Is it any fun? I can sing the music of it. Uh, no, it's terrible. It's just an awful, dreary mess of a game. It was like a ninja game in Japan, right? Yeah. It turned into... <laughs> yeah, it's just terrible. Does Noid talk? N- uh, no. Okay. But he looks insane. Yeah. That's the only and thing I know You just go to the right, and like in the first level, the waves come up and down, and you can just screw up so bad. But the weird thing is that you have magic powers, and they're based on ninja scrolls, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. they have the Japanese characters on them, and it makes no sense yeah. in the context of the, ga- context of the game. And then at the end of the level, you play this traditional Japanese card game against another enemy, and that makes no sense either. Everything on it is a character. They didn't even change that. It occurs to me that some of our listeners may not even know who the, who the Noid is. Well, there's a pinball machine coming out this year that Domino's it paid uh, people to develop. There's gonna like a run of like 300, and it has the Noid in it. Who's making Domino's it? Domino's pinball. It, I think it's their company's called Spooky Pinball. Yeah, they made the... Uh, they made Rob Zombie yeah. and America's Most Haunted and a couple other games recently. Yeah, Spooky Pinball. In the They're late, actually making a Domino's game. In the late '80s, early '90s, Domino's Pizza had a mascot called the Noid, who was claymation. Yeah, he, like animated. I think he just annoyed people. And he was trying to steal your pizza. Yeah, right. But in the commercials, he would always like get a safe dropped on his head or something. You're right? Supposed to annoy the Noid by not letting him get your pizza. So. Yeah, yeah. Avoid the Noid. Avoid. That's, avoid. What, it that's what it was. Avoid. It was avoid a simpler time. Yeah, it was. And well, the, oh, at that time, it was a weird time for all of us because animals were always trying to take our cereal. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Well, and there were the California raisins, and yeah. they may have actually followed. They may have been on the late wave of all that stuff. Yeah, but. that's actually true. That, they, that whole claymation thing was uh, popular, and that's why the uh, Super Mario Bros. 2 cover of Nintendo Power had the clay Mario. Nintendo Power number one. Yeah. But it, and like ultimately, that's because the 3D representation of something did not exist as a computer art. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Widely, or is really expensive to make. So it's like if you want something to be 3D, you got to make it. Yeah, and if you're at home and wanting to learn more about Yonoid, <laughs> it's the correct spelling is Yo exclamation mark. Yo comma Noid exclamation part. Right? There's a comma in it too. I think it's just Yo exclamation point. You're right. Noid. Yeah. Yo. Noid. It's like game scoop. Yeah, game it's just like that. Game scoop. That would be good. I like that. We should start a spinoff show. We are rebranding our logo design, so maybe that's maybe we move the, maybe we move the exclamation point over. Just move it every time, every day, yeah. like a different place. Where is the exclamation point going to be this week? Tune in to find out. Yeah. And that's all the scoops that we have for you this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Dan. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out.
contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.